The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. If it's Monday, you know it's reverse chronological lightning round time on Fantasy NBA Today. What's happening, everybody? Well, welcome to a brand new week. Hope you guys had a lovely weekend. Uh, all the holiday spirit is still in you. We got uh, New Year's Eve coming up tomorrow. 2020 starts on Wednesday of this week. Mind-boggling stuff. I can't believe we made it this far. Uh, as someone with a toddler, I think every day that I can't believe I made it this far. But here we are. Uh, weekly lineup show coming up in a little bit for premium subscribers. So if you're not a part of that, you should consider becoming a part of that. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm on the case myself today. We're making all of our weekly lineup questions. That show's coming up uh, probably around 1130 or noon. Uh, we've got reverse chronological lightning round today. We've got betting things to break down. It's a good day. We got a lot to cover. Uh, we'll just, uh, we'll just launch right into it, I suppose. Um, quickly here, of course, this is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I am Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just search for Dan from Hoop Ball, and you can find me on the internets. The internets is where I can be found. Uh, and I'd love it if you guys gave me a follow. I listened back to a couple of recent podcasts that I did, and I realized, and I, I, I already heard it once on today's show, I'm saying, uh, too much. It's an old crutch that I thought I got rid of back in the day. So that's my New Year's resolution. I've already tried a thousand times to shorten my intros. That's not going to be a resolution anymore. Because you know what? Th- these, these are as short as they're going to get. This resolution is eliminating all the verbal crutches. You know why those crept back in, I think? And this is obviously me passing the buck. But I believe it has something to do with when you have a Skype podcast, which is what a lot of this is, you know, I'm not inviting people into my bedroom, which is my recording studio. When you have uh, these, see, there was one. When you have these two-person or three-person podcasts where you're not in the same room, you have to make sure the other person knows when you're done. So if you have a deep breath or some mid-thought exhibition, you throw in a, an uh or a you know or a whatever, to make sure the other person knows you're still talking. So now I got to get back to the basics. My New Year's resolution. Happy almost 2020, everybody. I'll say it again tomorrow. And then we'll obviously have a show every day this week like we did last week. Christmas Day, we had a show. We've been crushing it, by the way. Uh, the betting has been crazy hot of late. This show is brought to you by Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. I bought some of that for my aunt this holiday season. Excited about that. HawaiianIsles.com, H-I Kona Coffee on Twitter, or search for Hawaiian Isles on Amazon. That's where I got it. You can get it prime. Why, why bother with some other foolish method if you can get it sent direct? Let's dive right into the Sunday card. You guys know how reverse chronological lightning round goes, I think. We go backwards through the weekend covering each team's most recent basketball game, which I can fairly well assure you will just take us through most of Saturday and we'll be good because there were 14 damn games on Saturday, but... Some teams played on Sunday as well, so we will dive into those first. Oklahoma City winners on the road. That was uh, the game that I almost put out as a best bet on yesterday's card. I ended up tweeting it to a couple of folks. And if you're betting, by the way, if you're betting with us, 
over at mybookie.ag and you want my leans on a day where perhaps, say, I don't have a best bet released in our hoop ball layup line, I'm more than happy to talk you through what my decision-making process was. And for instance, yesterday... On Sunday's card, my thought was, look, Toronto just came in. They they whipped Boston on the road. They got their Christmas Day revenge. This is very much a lookover game. This is the letdown spot. Oklahoma City just finished getting beaten a bad one. I know they were down a couple of players. Everything looking at this, Toronto by five. You had all these extra points coming your way with no Gallo and no Dennis Schroeder. This one was screaming a combination of injured star, bounce back, and on the uh, the Toronto side, the, the letdown factor. And sure enough, it all sort of came to roost at the same time. One team was just ready to go, and the other one was sort of semi-ready to go, and Oklahoma City was able to steal one on the road. So we almost put that one out. Turns out we should have, but you know what? That's okay. Nerlens Noel looked really good in his 19 minutes. I mean, that's been the thing with him, and I've been bouncing back and forth on whether or not I'm, I'm willing to put up with the inconsistencies but 19 minutes, two games in a row, that's better for him. That was sort of a positive over the weekend. He was down at 17 for a couple of games. And in the 19s, he averaged basically 10 points, about five and a half rebounds, three steals, which, you know, I know his defensive stats are high, but that's probably not going to stick. And then one and a half blocks. Turnovers were weirdly high. He's still number 73 on the season overall. And so you probably have to stick with it. I think I had him on my almost cut list over the weekend. But these two little bounce-back games were definitely good for his value. Shea's been playing better of late. We, we all knew he was a buy low. He's probably not going to get as high as everybody is hoping. But he's, you know, two or three great ball games. You know, he scored, looking at these numbers here, uh, 20 or more in six consecutive ball games, 30 or more in three of those six on good percentages. The steals have been up. So things are leveling off a bit for him. He's number 77 now in 9-cat after this recent hot spell that, that's pushed him well up over the 100 mark. His minutes are not going anywhere. He's sort of learning how to play alongside Chris Paul, and it's beginning to work a bit better. And the Thunder are winning. They've won six of their last seven ballgames at a relatively easy part of their schedule. Let's be fair. They've had one, maybe two challenging games in this mix. But this is still a nice run for them. They're comfortably in the seventh spot. So that buy low is paying off. Overall, the Thunder are a relatively uh, safe team. You kind of have an idea of what's going to happen on any given day. Toronto, I got I to gotta talk about Toronto again because I saw way too many people rolling out the We Win banner for Chris Boucher pickups, and he's basically all over the waiver wire again. After he had that big explosion on Christmas Day, he's come back now with a total of 15 points, 9 rebounds in his last two ballgames. Not going to get it done. 16 minutes and 19 minutes. I told you guys, he needs a blowout. The two games that have gotten out of hand since the entire Toronto front court went down were the two games where Boucher was good. The other four, he's been bad. And I know I said Rondé Hollis-Jefferson was going to have first crack at the minutes. He only played three minutes in this ball game. I don't know if it was just bad play or if he got hurt or whatever. But as I said on Friday's show, I didn't really fully trust either of them. Neither was guaranteed to get enough minutes to be productive. And if the game is t close and competitive throughout, it's going to be Serge Ibaka coming back in. And he played 34 minutes, and obviously he's a must-start guy while Marcus Gasol and Pascal Siakam and all those dudes are out. 
Terrence Davis saw an uptick in minutes in this ballgame. He played better. Patrick McCaw played 37 minutes in this one. So I think you can just basically throw away the Toronto reserves. That's what I've been trying to say. Houston rested all of their main guys. So Daniel House got 18 shots. Uh, Chris Clements got 15. P.J. Tucker still somehow only took seven shots. It's a weird stretch. Eric Gordon came back, uh, had 20 points on 12 shots, missed half of his free throws, but it was good to see him look marginally healthy in this ballgame. I I think you're going to see him get picked up in too many places. He has massive, gaping, unfillable holes in his fantasy game, but someone's going to scoop him up because he hits a lot of three-pointers. I'm not a fan of him as a nine-cat asset, I, I Obviously, when Westbrook and Harden are both in there, his usage is not going to be even close to this high. Points leagues, he's very much worth it. Or if in a situation where you desperately need to boost, to power boost your three-point stuff, then he makes some sense. Uh, otherwise, Daniel House is an obvious hold. P.J. Tucker's been slowed lately, but he's a hold as well. And you move along from the other stuff because... Isaiah Hartenstein had a good game, but uh, Clint Capella should be back relatively soon. Meantime, New Orleans is playing their butts off right now. And obviously, they caught a break playing a Houston team that was resting all of their key guys. But they also beat Denver on the road, Portland on the road, Indiana at home in this four-game win streak they're on. And Derek Favors is at the center of all of it. He had 12 points, 16 boards, two assists, and a steal. He hasn't even blocked a shot in his last two ball games, and he's still been unreal good. Top 50 over the last week with a block number that could actually come up. And I've said it before, there really aren't any other people on this team that are going to rebound. He's coasting, man. No one has any idea when Zion's coming back. They're retooling how he moves. So that could be God knows when. And I don't know that they completely bump favors off the center position. Anyway, I think they probably try to get him from 35 minutes back down to 27 But Derek Favors is locked into a really strong run right now. J.J. Redick was awful. He lost all of his playing time in this game to Etwan Moore, and uh, we're we're seeing signs of one of the things I was afraid of, which is could there be one too many mouths to feed? And with Etwan Moore in the mix, the answer is probably yes. Favors has been uh, Redick, excuse me, has been trending down. Josh Hart and Redick and Moore—they're all going to be fighting for the same roughly seventy minutes. And in this one, Moore got 25, Hart got 26, and uh, Reddick got 19. Usually, I think Reddick's going to see the 25 or 26. You're probably going to see Moore or Hart uh, because Reddick is the starter in this bunch. So I think you give him a little bit longer. I think you hold Hart a little bit longer. I know he had a horrible game also. You're not picking up each one more. I know he had 25 points on 20 freaking shots. I don't know. He just decided it was his time. But Lonzo Ball played well. This is a big one. He had a very large ball game. He's been a little bit better lately. He's still number 183. So I'm not about to completely change the way that I'm running this thing out. But at least he started this one. That was a big deal. Hold. Just hold on all of them while we let it this, this sucker play out. Sacramento uh, had De'Aaron Fox back in this ballgame, which was a good sign, but no Marvin Bagley. And we don't really know exactly when he's back. Presumably, he's day-to-day. But it's not entirely clear yet. As long as he's out, Nemanja Bielica is going to be putting up huge numbers. 27 points, 6 boards, 2 assists, a block, 5 three-pointers. He does it on good percentages. 
Buddy Heald had 20 points, took him 18 shots to get there, but he had eight assists, two steals, and a block, so he was better. Rashawn Holmes is awesome regardless. And then Bogdan Bogdanovich slowed down, as did uh, Harrison Barnes, who only took five shots in almost 30 minutes of this ballgame. I still think you hold Bielitsa until we figure out what's going on with Bagley. It seemed like he was going to continue to get minutes even when Marvin was back. Although he had that 16-minute performance against Minnesota, which was kind of the, a weird notch on the other side of the belt. But overall, even, even with Bagley around, he was still playing 23, 30, 31, 25. He's not going to get as many looks, but his stuff is generally across the board anyway. So you're holding there on top of the other stuff. Denver was without Gary Harris and without Paul Millsap for this ball game, so you got a big line out of Jeremy Grant, which is going to happen anytime Millsap is out. Michael Porter Jr. got the start and had a pretty good line with Gary Harris out, but those two guys will go back to being bench contributors when that team is healthy. Charlotte uh, is finally you're starting to see the, the holes in their team, and, and I mean, you could see them early, but it wasn't really catching up to them, and now it is a little bit. They're 13-22. and 22. They've lost five in a row. Devontae Graham, in particular, is still putting up very big popcorn lines, and so it's floating his value, but his shooting percentage has really gotten rough. He's at under 38% now, 37.9. This is a fear we had with Terry Rozier, and it turns out it's Devontae Graham, He's able to buttress all of that with almost four three-pointers a game, 19 points, almost eight assists, a steal. Uh, but you you desperately need someone who's a monster in field goal percent to counterbalance what he's doing. And just from an efficiency standpoint, the team is getting clubbed because he's taking too many bad shots. Memphis, on the other hand, is actually playing really well of late. The Grizzlies have won five of their last ten. They're 13-21, and 21, and in what's somehow become kind of a clunky bottom eight, bottom nine, eh, bottom eight for the West, the Grizzlies are a game and a half out of the playoffs, and they're not going to really be fighting for that. The Spurs and the Blazers are probably going to be your teams that are duking it out for that last one. But because they've both been so bad to this point, Spurs are playing a lot better lately, by the way. That's something to keep an eye on. These other teams that are technically within striking distance, but probably shouldn't be, you'll probably see them start to fade. You know, the Kings are only two games out of the eight seed, for instance, at nine games under 500. Are they going to get this thing turned around? That's great, but they've got to jump over the, Sp the Suns, the Grizzlies, the Spurs, and the Blazers just to go get manhandled by, you know, Lakers or Nuggets or Clippers or something in the first round of the playoffs. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see it happening. I think the Spurs probably end up with that eight seed. I got sidetracked by playoff seeding. Brandon Clark was awesome in this game. 18 points, four boards, three assists, a steal, three blocks. His field goal percent alone is reason to have him on your fantasy team, but he's actually number 69 now in 9-cat. Thanks to, I mean, this is it. You just need one or two games where he does some stuff defensively. Jerry Jackson Jr. has been trending up for a while now. This one, by the way, was a blowout. It was farther apart than the final score would indicate, but JJJ was good, and through... Uh, consistent better play. He's number 70 in 9-cat. You're going to need some of those really giant games to push him a whole lot higher, but considering how far he had fallen, this is, I think, a relative success overall. You know, percentages are decent. You'd like them to get better. Blocks are okay. You'd like it to get better. The three-pointers are weirdly high. And then Jonas Valanciunas. He's been just slowly chugging his way up the charts. 
He is number 68 in 9-cat now, which is really not all that far behind where you drafted him. Probably got him in the early to mid-60s, and what is he, maybe a quarter of a round back of that? So, good. And that's after a slow start. He's been, obviously, a lot better than that recently, minus the sum of injuries. And it's not even like a last-month thing. He had two, what did he have, two weeks where he wasn't very good at the beginning, and now he's at like six weeks of, you know, more like a top 55-ish type of level. So cool. Not a whole lot to worry about in Memphis. We roll along. Lakers beat the Mavericks, both teams on uh, difficult back-to-backs. Mavs, I believe, coming from Northern California. If memory serves, Lakers coming from Portland, so they were both gassed. And you could see it. The shooting percentages were not great, particularly on the Dallas side. They shot 36%. Lakers uh, were not very good on the rebounds in this ballgame. Dwight Powell out-hustled the Lakers to a lot of boards. But overall, Lakers got their win. That's what they wanted. KCP's been really good for L.A. off the bench. That's a switch that seems to have helped the Lakers, just getting a little more firepower in when LeBron is off the floor or even alongside him. I think they've realized with that first unit, it's not necessarily about having somebody else that can space the floor. They've got Danny Green out there for that purpose. It's going to be LeBron and AD. They need to find a way to do more of just LeBron and AD to get the game started. You don't have to worry about getting these other guys involved. So they just went defense around him. Avery Bradley, Danny Green, and then JaVale McGee still starting. As far as the Lakers go, no, I'm not I'm not buying into the KCP giant bench numbers. These, these things are always going to fluctuate. He's not going to get the same number of touches every game. Uh, I know he's been a little better, like we said, off the bench, and he scored in double figures in something like eight of his last nine ball games. but there's it's, it's pretty limited beyond that. So don't don't go diving in face first. And then McGee and Howard, who we haven't talked about in a while, are just kind of doing the same stuff that they've always done. And Rajon Rondo belongs on your waiver wire, as per usual. Dallas side is a little bit more interesting. Luka Doncic took a tough fall in this game, but kept playing. Tim Hardaway Jr. pulled a hamstring and he left. So that probably opens things up a little bit for someone like a Seth Curry, but even then it's not quite enough to get over the hump. What it really does is it gives Delon Wright basically free access to 18 minutes per game. You're not going to see him fall below that mark while someone else is on the shelf. What you might see is if he's playing particularly well, maybe you get him up to 22, 23, in which case he's an easy fantasy play. At 18 or 19, that's where he's a little bit more borderline. He's been very good lately. Some of that was with Doncic out. Some of it is with him back. He's a must-start guy right now. He's just been incredibly fantasy efficient, even in lower minutes. So you, you should have him on your team, and you should trot him out there. Saturday. We'll dodge the 10 teams we already covered best we can. We already talked Memphis and Denver. I mean, you saw it there. You know, Harris hurt his shin on the Saturday game. He had played 37 minutes and was actually trending up. He'll be playing giant minutes as soon as he comes back. Easy enough. Indiana we haven't talked about. New Orleans we did. For Indiana, it continues to be a weird ride. They got blown out by the Pelicans, and Aaron Holiday was... Uh, with, a, with a nod to T.J. Warren and Demonis Sabonis, they were fine in this game. Everybody else was pretty bad. Miles Turner has cooled now after a warmer stretch. I know everybody's freaking out with his back and forth. He's number 67 in 9-cat right now. Because of his ability to block shots, it just takes one or two big games for him to jump up the charts, and then the bad ones actually don't depress him that much because, in general, and these last two have been 
kind of obnoxious because he hasn't blocked any shots in those two games. But general, he can kind of float his value because of the defensive stuff. So don't panic. He's not going to be a top 25 guy. It's just not on the table anymore. But he still has a very easy path to top 50 value. Very easy path. As long as he stays healthy, he's, you know, two or three big games away from being inside the top 50. It really wouldn't take much. Aaron Holiday, you can stream as long as Malcolm Brogdon is out. TJ Warren has quietly been chugging along. Same with Jeremy Lamb. And we learned, I think over the weekend, although I've lost a little bit of track of time, that Victor Oladipo is actually targeting return about three-ish weeks from now. So we still have a little more meat on the bone. And I, I don't think that I'd panic on any of these guys anyway. Oladipo is going to be worked back in slowly. And when everybody's at full strength... Now, honestly, it might be Justin Holiday that takes a hit, but we don't even really know which of these guys is going to take the big hit. Toronto, we talked about. This was a better ball game in, in that they won, but overall the stats were about the same. Boston had a, a tough one here after a couple of really dominant performances. Kemba Walker was good. Gordon Hayward looks great. He didn't shoot the ball well on Saturday, but overall... He's doing a lot of across-the-board stuff. And his Cantor, 5-for-5 five five shooting in this ballgame. He, to me, is a must-own guy, and I think this is if this ballgame's closer, he probably plays four or five extra minutes. And uh, yeah, and Jalen Brown. So you're you're rolling with... Oh, and Jason Tatum, I should say. So you're rolling with five of these guys right now, and I'm, I'm out on Daniel Tice. I think we've talked about that already. I know that there's some hope out there in, in the fantasy Twitterverse that he can hang in there. I just don't have it. New York, a road win, and Julius Randle has been dunking. Of course, you know, week and a half after I traded him, he's been outstanding. 30-plus points, three games in a row. He's made his free throws. He's made his shots. I mean, he's got to be, what? He's the first rounder over the last week. Whoops. Might have moved that dude a week too early, but oh well. It all, it all levels off. That's the lesson here is that suddenly now, freaking Julius Randle. It's bane of my existence. His shooting percentage is up to 45.7. Free throw is still around 70. But even that, I mean, you're looking at things that are trending up. He's a career 50 percenter. He was down in the 42-43 range. You had to know a, a very hot stretch was coming. You just didn't know when. And it's four games in a row. He shot 50% or better. Some of that, I think, has to do with Alfred Payton running the first unit, getting him open looks, a pass-first point guard who can actually distribute a little bit. Peyton, of course, has his own issues. He had four points, four boards, eight assists, and a block in this game. Six turnovers, two of eight shooting, no steals, which is unusual for him, and no three-pointers, which is not unusual. And this is why you guys have heard me on this show say, look, I'm not as excited about this dude as everybody else. They're like, oh, my God, Alfred Payton. Yes, he belongs on fantasy teams because a starting point guard in the NBA is a hard thing to find, especially one that has a little bit of upside especially in the assist department where he can excel. I mean, he's averaging six assists a game in 24 minutes a game, and he's playing more than that right now. He was up around 30 where you could, you could look at more like eight assists per game. So that's a big deal, and he should be at one-and-a-half-ish steals. And those two things alone are probably enough reason to have him on a fantasy team. But he's a low field goal percent, low free throw percent, no three-pointers guy who doesn't score. So there are a lot of openings in his fantasy game, and you saw them on full display here because he did this in 31 minutes. Mitchell Robinson only played 13 minutes in this ball game, which sucks. But again, we've already we've moved past the buy low stuff on him. He's number 66 
in nine cat and it'd cost you at this point. Washington, you can probably stream Gary Payton for the uh, very near future. I said on Friday's show, if Bradley Beal played on Saturday, Payton was probably going to get squeezed out because Isaiah Thomas was coming back. But IT came back and then Beal sat it out. At some point, both of those two guys are going to play at the same time. Same with Ish Smith as the lead point guard off the bench. And then Gary Payton pushed to fourth guard at best. And all of a sudden, his you know six steals a game is going to evaporate. You can throw it out there in the meantime if you like, Bill. I would prefer, at least as far as streaming goes, to go the Troy Brown route, and then Isaiah Thomas is your full-time starter on this team, and that's where I sit, at least until they start to get healthy. Philly lost in Miami. I thought that would be a good ball game, and it was. I was strongly considering taking Philadelphia, and then it ended up as a push after all was said and done. Joel Embiid has been fantastic of late, and he continued his hot run here. He's now number 11 in 9-cat, just chugging along, field goal percent, free throw percent, both up where you were hoping they would be. And, you know, he misses a game every once in a while, but it's not nearly as pronounced as I feel like people want it to be. He has been actually pretty good. He's played 29 of their games so far, which is more than you can say for Kawhi Leonard. So to this point, Embiid has been the better selection. Surprise, surprise. Still plenty of time left, though, so, you know, you're not going to worry either way. Anyway, Philly's not an interesting fantasy team, so we'll just shuttle along to the Miami side. Jimmy Butler was good. His field goal percent is weirdly low this year. I know that there's more on his shoulders. I expect that 42.6% to come up to probably 445 or 45. You know, it's not like he's taking a bunch of three-pointers. He's getting fouled a ton, so the free-throw stuff is still a big positive for him. But that's his avenue. He's 16 in some places, 18 in others. So, you know, mid-second rounder, a little bit under probably where he was drafted, but not by enough to hurt you in any meaningful way. And if that field goal percent comes up by 2%, then he gets right back to the turn. That's all it takes there. Duncan Robinson was very good again, 16 points. He only played 19 minutes in this game with five fouls. He's finding himself in foul trouble far too often for a shooting guard wing type. And then Bam Adebayo had an off night. You can blame Joel Embiid for that. The overarching theme here with Miami is that they are getting healthy. Goran Dragic is back. He's actually looked pretty good, and he does this when he comes back from injury. He goes on these little heaters where he makes his shots and free throws and gets a steal or two because his energy is up. But listen, we've seen this act enough to know that his percentages are not going to be good, his defensive stats are not going to be good, his turnovers are going to be too high. He doesn't actually differ all that much from someone like an Alfred Payton in that he'll get you more points and threes, probably lower assists and lower steals, but they both have these weird upsides capped. And more than anything, while he does actually make Miami better, he's extremely useful for them as a scorer and an orchestrator off the bench, he mostly just serves to kill Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn's minutes and value. So those guys probably fall back into your waiver wire. Derek Jones Jr. still got 37 minutes, and at this point, something weird is going on with Justice Winslow. I, I don't... I don't know if he's even really hurt. Maybe he's not. Maybe Derek Jones Jr. becomes a guy you could use the rest of the season. This may be a situation where a streamer turns into a full-time thing. And for him, it's always going to be about field goal percent and defensive stats, which he's mostly getting for you at this point. And I feel like he's been playing big minutes for almost a month now. But I could be wrong. We'll call it more like two or three weeks. And over that stretch, he's around top 130 value. So you probably need a little bit more, 
But keep an eye on it. He may end up turning from streamer into full-timer. Cleveland beat Minnesota on the road. This is the game I'm sure everybody was watching on Saturday, and uh, nobody cared. Kevin Porter played 30 minutes. Dante Exum played 17. The only thing we were watching was, you know, how does this shake out in the post-Jordan Clarkson situation? No Kevin Love in this game, so that opened up a few extra minutes for Larry Nance. Obviously, he's above the cut line if Love gets moved. Tristan Thompson didn't miss his free throws, which saved him in this game because it really could have been bad. And he remains basically a rebounding specialist at this point. The guys you're watching are, can Colin Sexton ever do anything to, to rehabilitate his fantasy game? The answer is most likely no. Darius Garland, same question. The answer, most likely no. Is Dante Exum going to play enough to matter? Most likely no. Will Chetty Osmond ever do enough? Most likely no. So you're basically watching Larry Nance and Kevin Porter. And I'm still, the jury's still out, I think, on Porter as well. I think you sit on Nance if you can at this point. And that's about it. Rob Covington was fantastic on the Minnesota side. There were questions about, you know, what was going on with him. He's inside the top 60, so everybody just chill the hell out. He's fine. Noah Vonley played more in this one. Gorgie Jang, great fill-in for Carl Anthony Towns. He didn't score as much, but seven boards, two assists, four steals, one block. He's a perfect streamer. And then uh, Jared Culver did have five defensive stats in this game, but missed both of his free throws again. So please stop trying to sell me on that nonsense. Houston, we've talked about. Brooklyn is fairly straightforward. Uh, they just they weren't very good in this game. They're starting to... The, the lack, I think, of their main guys is starting to catch up a little bit with Brooklyn. But luckily, the East is so bad that they will they can sleepwalk into a playoff spot. And, you know, you just deal with it when you get there. Atlanta at Chicago. Atlanta without Trey Young. And you can see what an impact he's been. Kevin Herter had a terrible shooting game. John Collins tried to do as much as he could himself. And kudos to John. He scored 34 of their 81 points. But uh, nobody else was able to do anything at all. And Chicago... Just crushed him. Zach Levine was solid. Tomas Sadoransky has been really good lately. Sneaky good. I don't know if anybody's really noticed, but over the last month, he is the inside the top 80, and over the last two weeks, he's inside the top 25. Sato's been cruising. Larry Markkinen was good. Chris Dunn got his three steals and four assists. The other stuff you sort of don't worry about all that much. And Wendell Carter Jr. was 13-8-4, and he was fine too. So this was this was all golden, and playing against Atlanta will do that for you. Detroit, blown out by San Antonio. Blake Griffin just dragging his leg up and down the floor at this point. I don't know why he's still playing. It's really rough to watch. He doesn't look anything like himself. You know, for half of last season, he looked really good. He's a wreck now. It's rough. Derrick Rose, he's going to put up big numbers while Luke Kennard is out. Andre Drummond is going to put up big numbers regardless, but obviously more when Griffin's not in there. And then it looks at least temporarily like Tim Frazier is going to pick up some minutes. Same with Bruce Brown while Kennard is out. But I'm not that worried about it. Christian Wood played 23 minutes in this blowout. You, I mean, we've said it before. You need Markeith Morris and Blake Griffin both down for him to really function, and they could both actually be down for the next ball game. So you might have that little window. Spurs have been better. Obviously, this was a very easy game for them. I say that even though they lost to Detroit, I believe, earlier this year. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge. Oh, can we stop and pause and talk about how awesome LaMarcus Aldridge has been? He's number 17 in 9-cat. 20 points, 7.5 rebounds, 
Two blocks, almost a steal, 51 from the field, 83 at the foul line, almost a three-pointer after he hit five of them in this ball game. Yes. The old men, the old men in the sea, they are. I got so many Chris Pauls and the Marcus Aldridges on teams that I just, I'm cavelling because these were guys that were drafted in the 30s and 40s, and they're way outperforming that right now. And somehow... Chris Paul, and I'll keep knocking on wood. He's number 10 by totals because he's been healthy to this point. Marcus is 16 because he missed a couple of games for that quad deal. But, man, alive. Old men coming through. DeJounte Murray is a must-start. DeMar DeRozan is a must-start, obviously. And then the other guys, you, you sort of nibble around the edges. Derek White remains a drop. Haven't changed my stance on that yet. Nothing I've seen is making me want to. Aaron Gordon as an Achilles issue. And they got to be real careful there because we've seen what happens when guys play through a sore Achilles. I don't know that anybody really steps up into that that wasn't doing stuff before. I, the inclination, for me at least, is that you probably see just a few more shots apiece for Evan Fournier, Jonathan Isaac, Terrence Ross, maybe even another shot or two for Markel Fultz and DJ Augustine. It's just going to get split up. Uh, Nikola Vucevic, he'll obviously just keep doing his normal stuff. How about Jonathan Isaac in this one? Seven steals... He's been so good this year. He pushed himself back up to around top 20 with that seven-steal performance. That's huge. I mean, that's one game that can do that for you in a heartbeat. So he'll be good. I think this will help Isaac with uh, with Gordon out. It'll obviously help Fournier as well. But I don't know that it moves anybody from one side of the cut line to the other. And then for Milwaukee, they're just like, you know, we don't really need Giannis. We'll just coast along without him. Eric Bledsoe is expected to make his return for their next ball game, which is probably going to put a dent into George Hill's recent slightly larger surge. He's been a, a per-minute monster and an efficiency monster. I believe he's actually number one in the NBA in efficiency at this point. So they're going to, I'm sure, find a way to keep him involved. But the 24-25 the minute games that were popping up every once in a while, it's probably going to go back more towards 20. I still think he's worth using, but I also... I'm willing to admit that he could fall back right around the cut line where if you don't need exclusively efficiency and like one and a half three pointers, then then maybe he's not like he he doesn't really fit the head to head mold as much as a guy that can just sort of slowly help push all your numbers up in Roto. And then, you know, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, Ersan Ilyasova, these guys are all going to be chugging along with no Giannis. Dallas, we talked about already. Golden State, who had been playing better, ran into an offensive buzzsaw here, and uh, Warriors got blown out. Draymond Green continuing to put up enough value to give you guys an opportunity to go get something decent for him. He's, he's inside the top 100, if but barely, in 9-cat. D'Angelo Russell is right around 70 in 9-cat. So there's, there's this window here, and a, kind of a fun thing happened at the Hoopball forums that I thought was worth bringing up is... A thread was started saying Draymond Green is not a sell high. He was a buy low. And there's an argument to be made for that. But I remain firmly on the other side of, look, if someone is starting to think he has value, this basically confirms what we were trying to do, which was get the stretch going here where the Warriors only have one back-to-back for like a month and a half and try to move him somewhere in this month. You know, people are starting to say, oh, you know, maybe Steph's going to come back. He's going to play. They're going to try to make a run for it. It's going to take a lot. 
to get to that point. Warriors are 9-25. and 25. Even with the bad eighth seed in the playoffs, they're still five and a half games out, and seven teams separate them from a playoff spot. So unless the Warriors go on some kind of four, five, six-game win streak here, I'm not buying that they're going to keep trying all the way through to the end road. Alec Burks is somehow maintaining above the cut line. Damian Lee, who we talked about late last week after Christmas and even a little bit before, has been outstanding. And I think you trot him out there. He's getting big minutes. I'm not worried about Willie Cauley-Stein. This is just a game where Dallas pulled him away from the bucket and the Warriors had to go smaller. Phoenix beat Sacramento on Saturday. We talked about Sacramento already for Phoenix. We're just sort of waiting on whatever the hell's going on with DeAndre Ayton. You can probably run Aaron Baines out there in the meantime. Looks like they're willing to flop him in as the starting center as opposed to the weird, oh, we'll just bring you off the bench because that'll be like what it'll be when Aiton's back. No, they they realize they need him in there if they're going to try to win without Aiton. And uh, everything else is, is fairly easy. Rubio, Oubre, Booker, Baines in the interim. And then it looks like Dario Saric is finally falling off his little cliff. Portland we hadn't talked about. This was a big-time Damian Lillard game. Uh, he kept them in it as long as he could, but wasn't long enough. C.J. McCollum had 18. Lakers did an okay job on him, kind of slowing him down a little bit, just in terms of you know overall efficiency, not letting guys get to the foul line besides Lillard and Whiteside. Bazemore was better, so that was something, but he remains a little bit more of a streamy type at this point. And then Carmelo Anthony, who's, as we figured he would, come back to earth a little bit. He was hovering above the cut line in 9-cat. He hovers below it. He's at 107 right now. It's going to bounce back and forth depending on when he makes his shots because it's points and rebounds for him. And then we also told you the defensive stats were going to start to come down. We told you 2.1 would have been a career high. You know, two games later, he's down from 2.1 to two defensive stats per game. So they're, that's, that's numbers slowly coming down as well. Utah beat L.A. on the road. This was a game I was really interested in more from a betting standpoint because this was letdown time for the Clippers. Patrick Beverly hurt his wrist but played through it. He is questionable for the Clippers' next ball game. For Utah, Jordan Clarkson has made an immediate impact off the bench. He had 19 points in 25 minutes. And then otherwise, you just sort of wait to find out what happens when Mike Conley comes back. And I believe, Lord help me, that that is all 30 teams in the NBA. If anybody didn't play on Saturday or Sunday, I'm just writing you off because then you don't matter. But I'm uh, like 99% sure that 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 was everybody. Folks, uh, as we take a look here very quickly at the Monday card, I want to remind you all that the betting lines here on HoopBall are brought to you by our buddies at mybookie.ag. I've been on a pretty good run of late. I don't crow about it too much or anything, but it is part of our layup line. It's a premium product here at HoopBall. Uh, we went 7-3, and three, picking all 10 sides on Christmas. Now, obviously, no one was going to bet all 10. Uh, five sides, five, five totals, I should say. And then, you know, a couple of winners on Saturday. I had one yesterday that, unfortunately, I, I didn't uh, put through the mix. So it's it's been a pretty good run of late. I think Thursday there was a pretty there was a winner in there as well. So uh, hop aboard. Come join us on the premium subscription and bet with us and do it at mybookie.ag. Christmas, guys, has come and gone, but the Super Bowl is on the horizon. They've got Super Bowl uh, odds, prop bets, all sorts of good stuff. Football, not your thing. We've got basketball bets we're giving out here at HoopBall and on Fantasy NBA Today. And we have a brand new betting podcast coming in the next two weeks. I think that bad boy's coming out. All you got to do is go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code TODAY. 
T-O-D-A-Y. That's the actual promo code, as you've heard before. And you get a sweet deposit bonus. I believe it's a 50% deposit bonus right now at mybookie.ag. Again, promo code is today. Bet with us. I'll give you a few thoughts here on the podcast, and then obviously we do our best bets in that layup line. And we'll also talk about the fantasy perspective. Miami is at Washington. I think we have a pretty good feel for the Heat side. They favored by 8.5 on the road against a Washington team that we believe will be without Bradley Beal, but time will tell at this point. We don't have final confirmation on that just yet, which makes me want to stay away from this game quite a bit. The uh, Wizards are a weirdo Franken-bunch at this, at this juncture, and you're in, you're in streaming mode. Orlando's favored by 10.5 over the Trey Youngless Atlanta Hawks, also a very difficult game to bet into because you just don't know if there's going to be any focus there. Brooklyn by 3.5 at Minnesota. From a fantasy perspective, you're just monitoring Cat's health. It sounded like he was somewhat close to their last ball game, so I'd be pretty surprised if he wasn't back this week. And the 3.5 line is actually probably pretty accurate. Milwaukee, 6.5 point favorites on the road at Chicago. Giannis remains questionable. They've shown themselves to be very good even without him. Although I do think there's a little bit of a letdown coming here. Uh, Chicago's been playing pretty well of late. Ever so slightly against. I rarely fade a team missing a superstar, but that's a couple games in a row now. And it'll catch up a tiny bit. It's a little bit of a lean to Chicago. Fantasy-wise, you know, it's just the same old streaming stuff with Milwaukee and then nothing really for the Bulls. Detroit. Uh, I think you're you're going to get some pretty good numbers out of Rose and uh, and Drummond, but this is kind of what we were talking about last week. A lot of what we're watching right now is health-related. Jordan Clarkson is a guy you can watch on the Utah side. They're favored by 9.5, another big, fat line. And then Phoenix, 5-point underdog at Portland, waiting on Aiton. Doesn't sound like he's playing, but we don't know yet. Portland, they should have their normal whatever guys you want to call them right now, the, the usual crop. I, I think they realize this game is important, but that also makes me a little worried with the five-point line. They haven't looked very good lately. Can Carmelo kind of wake up and give them that extra little kick in the pants? Ever so slight lean to the Phoenix side in that basketball game as well, but not a lot tonight from the fantasy side of things. So check these things out again. If we have a best bet today, it'll be in our layup line on the premium deal. You can get that by going to hoop-ball.com and clicking on the premium tab. Folks, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please drop a five-star review on that bad boy. We're going to get this thing pinned down here and give you a quick preview rest of the week. Uh, Hoping to talk to Josh, Brandon, and uh, maybe either Alan or the captain at some point this week. We don't have it all ironed out because it is sort of the weird, the holiday weeks here on uh, Fantasy NBA Today. But we'll get you some good stuff either way. Go ahead and keep this thing on the shorter side. Thanks again for listening, everybody. I am Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Have a glorious Monday. Bug me on Twitter if you got any questions. I'm going to try to do a better job today of answering those. I know I've been a little bit MIA. Holidays have kept me extremely busy. But again, that's at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning, everybody. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.